0: Let's go, in our Bibles this morning, the important part of the service, amen? Let's go to Luke and chapter 14. Luke and chapter 14. Luke and chapter 14. The Bible tells us in verse 28... Let's begin though, backing up in verse 25. Jesus here is speaking, and it says, "And there went a great multitude great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, "If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he, let's read that next word, cannot be my disciple." And whosoever shall bear his cross, or sorry, whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest haply, after he had laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king? going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first, and consulteth, whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him, or with twenty thousand. Or else, while the other is a great way off, he sendeth in and, and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you, that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt is lost, it savor. Wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land or yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. The cost of being a disciple, and Jesus has commanded us to be disciples. That word disciple and the word discipleship is thrown around a lot today. A lot of churches have a discipleship program. A lot of churches have a plan to seek to mentor and to lead others in the kingdom of God. By the way, it is part of the Great Commission. That He says, go, preach the gospel. He says we are to baptize, but he says we are to make disciples. And this morning we're going to look into that. And most all of us have put our faith in Christ. You've heard the good news. You've put your faith in Christ. Maybe you haven't. And today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to call upon the Lord Jesus Christ, to ask him to forgive you of your sins, and to put your faith in the gift of life who is Jesus Christ. We have an ad running right now as we speak on our Facebook page for the church. And one of the questions that we put, because Facebook asked me, I could put different questions for people to ask. And one of those questions was... Uh, frequently asked questions, and one of them I put for people to click was, how can I know for sure that I'm saved? This morning at about 9.15 a.m., I got a message right there on that, and I have a conversation to follow up. I have a phone call to make this week. Somebody's interested in knowing, how can I know for sure that heaven is my home? Hey, I believe that's worth every bit of the $10 we're spending today to promote that, amen, and uh, have somebody... ...come and put their faith in Jesus Christ. I don't even know if the person's in state or out of state, amen? But I know this, they need Jesus. And everybody needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. Be a disciple. Would you bow your heads together? Let's ask the Lord to open his word to our hearts right now. Father, we thank you for the word that we we have read... ...and the word that we are about to hear preached. We ask that you would help it to transform and change our lives. And Father, we realize that the, the throne room of heaven is calling us today. And Lord, you are calling us to be disciples. And there is a cost to being a disciple. And you want us to count that cost. You want us to be involved. You want us to be committed. And Lord Jesus, I ask that you would help us to do this by the grace of God that we might see your work go forward. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You know, we cannot change who we are until we see the standard of truth in God's word and align ourselves with it. Jesus wants his disciples, and he want, he's calling us each to follow him. Count the cost. This morning I'd like you to consider that there is a cost to everything of value. There is a cost to everything of value. They say you get what you pay for. That was kind of weak. You get what you pay for. My friend, it's true. We get what we pay for. My wife and I, you know, we like going and getting We're cheapskates, all right? We like getting cheap things, okay? Most of y'all know that about us, okay? And uh, it's not a bad thing if you're a cheapskate. You don't want to be a tightwad, but there's nothing wrong with being a cheapskate. One of the reasons, by the way, to be a cheapskate is so you can invest and prioritize your life in the kingdom of God, amen? And uh, that's a good reason to do it. There's a cost to everything of value. If you want to go to a good college, there's going to be a cost involved in it. If you want to uh, buy a good phone, don't go to Walmart and get the $30 one. My wife the other day, uh, about a, I guess about eight months ago, she said, you know what? She said, uh, I want to buy a phone. I need to buy a new phone. She said, you know, look, we're all a little bit, I guess, aware that big brother's a little watching a little bit over us, right? And so uh, she said, well, you know, I want to get a simpler phone so that it's a little bit, you know, there's a little less involvement. Well, she got that phone, and brother, all of my children, you know how long it takes a child to go to sleep? They could The time it takes a child to fall asleep was about the time it took that thing to load. I mean, that thing was slow. It was so slow. It was annoyingly slow. You're sitting there, and you're like, I'm going back to the 1980s. 80s, not just the 1990s, we are going back to the 1980s on that silly thing, and you know what, it went back, and then she got, we got I think we got the next level, and she got that one, tried that, and uh, that one went back too, and then, uh, then out came the iPhone, alright, now, um, <laughs> big brother is really watching now, okay, and, uh, <laughs> but you know what, there's a cost to everything of value. There's a cost to everything of value. Um, You have to have an investment. And he says in verse 28, which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost. Have you driven around and noticed sometimes that sometimes things get started and never get finished? You see those foundations in the ground and there's no house on top of it? Somebody forgot to calculate the remaining amount. They say you're about 50% done with your cost once the sheetrock is installed. Now think about that. They didn't even get the frame up. A little bit of a miscalculation going on there. Maybe they couldn't pay the mortgage. A little bit of a miscalculation on building the house. And Jesus is saying, you've got to count the cost. You've got to sit down and calculate. You say, what's he talking about? The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Remember a year ago when everybody was saying invest in Bitcoin? Need I say any more? All right? I had folks who were telling me, Pastor, you need to invest in Bitcoin. You need to invest in Bitcoin. They were going to pay for their house with Bitcoin. They were going to pay for every renovation in Bitcoin. They were going to pay. That didn't exactly work out too well for them. I tell you, my friend, there was a cost to the investment. And you know, that was a very risky investment. It may come back, but it was a risky investment. I counted the cost, and I told them, I said, I'm not sure if I want to count the cost and do that one, so I'm not going to do it, all right? Um, Count, the count means to tabulate, to add up. The cost. These words, count and the word cost, the only time you see them used in our text, in the New Testament Greek text, these is the only passage those words are used. Count the cost. That word cost, it's the only time it is used. And you look at it and you say, wow, count the cost. Usually the word is used in other places when you look up and do word searches. The root word is only used in in that passage, in that verse, in verse 28. The word means, the cost means the expense. It comes from a root word meaning to devour, a consuming cost. You realize the investment of the kingdom of God is a consuming cost. Our missionaries go and give their lives on the mission field to serve, to invest. You could say, well, that's a waste of money. No, it's not. It's an investment in souls. But it costs millions of dollars to do that. By the way, do you realize if you work at an average job, say you make 30000 a year over the, cost, over the course of 40 years, you know how much money you'll make? One million dollars. It costs millions of dollars to send folks out who will disciple others because, look, it just costs money to live. And these folks go and they invest in others, and the goal is that they might see fruit that would remain, that other locals would be raised up in those places and would continue to disciple, would continue to train And I tell you, I was sitting down when I was an intern with a group and the the brother who was there had started 40 churches out of his church in the Virginia area. He had started out 40 churches. Now, I'd say that's somebody you want to learn from, right? 40 churches. I met many of those men who are pastoring. They're still pastoring those churches that he started. And Brother Bud Calvert helped start 40 churches and he would send a family out of his church ...who would go and help some man who was called to preach... ...and they would go and they would support that man... ...and so that he might be able to disciple people in that place... ...in his family... ...and that church might be established... ...and three or four giving families would go with one man... ...and support him... ...and the church would get established... ...and church after church after church after church was started. There was an investment. And when I saw as he sat down and tabulated with us... ...the cost of the gospel getting to people... It overwhelmed me the amount of money that it costs for the kingdom of God to go forward. The cost. You say, well, then it's just not worth it to invest in the kingdom of God. No, it's worth it. And I believe it's worth every penny we spend this week to invest in souls and kids. Don't you believe that? It's worth every penny. And it's worth every drop of sweat you will invest this week to invest in the kingdom of God. For years before I became a pastor, I traveled to 11 countries... ...and uh, saw some churches were being started. One thing I noticed and I looked for was, where are the disciples? And it was so encouraging looking around at those mission fields... ...and in those countries and in the Philippines... ...and down in Central America, in Peru, in El Salvador... ...Dominican Republic, in Nicaragua... ...in each of these countries, even over in Uganda, Africa... Places were being started and disciples were being trained up. And you know what the disciples were doing? Going out and making more disciples. And it was so exciting. There is a cost of discipleship. And I remember hearing the stories of those who were discipling and those who had been discipled and the cost that was being invested. Many of them had left houses and families and lands to serve the kingdom of God. It was neat. To see how the various different people with different personalities were led by the same God to lead their families and ministries and raise up disciples for the kingdom of God. There are biblical marks of discipleship. And we're all tempted to relax and go back to the easy path. But being a disciple is a lifelong commitment. No turning back. No turning back. Would you consider the cost to follow the master? In our text we see a few things about this cost. To everything, There's a cost to everything of value. First... To leave the world. Leave the world. There's a song, take the world, but give me Jesus. All its joys are but a name. Look in verse 26. Jesus says, if any man, look at the next word, phrase, come to me. Isn't it great when you are leading, you lead your family, you lead a group at work. Isn't it great when people come the first time you call? Isn't it awesome? It's an exciting thing when you're leading. It's an exciting thing when you're leading your children, and you do not have to say twice, "Hey, come." In the same way with Jesus Christ, He should not have to keep. But you know what He does? The Lord says, "Come, follow Me," and we say, "Yes, Lord, I'll follow You," until somebody steps on my toe. Lord, I'll follow You until somebody offends me. Lord, I'll follow You until I have a life crisis or some situation leave. The world, it's a call to come. Come. Everything we see around us is temporary. The clothing we are wearing, even the bodies that we have in this room, and there's such a focus, isn't there, in our culture, on the human body. People are infatuated with uh, comedians. People are infatuated with all these celebrities. They're infatuated with their personality. What if they have a different personality in heaven? When you get saved, when you go to heaven, what if your personality is a little different? I don't know what kind of personality. Hey, you know what? If we got a negative personality on this earth, you put your faith in Christ, you struggle with some, something, you think you're still going to struggle with that in heaven? No, my friend. A new body, a new name is given to those who know their faith and put their faith in Christ. Leave the world. Look, our bodies, this world is temporary. Everyone has a soul and everyone will live in heaven or in hell forever. And it is for this reason that we preach the gospel. Leave the world. It is for this reason we have a discipleship program. And each man gets hours and hours and hours of time invested in him. At no cost to him. Why? So that he might go and make disciples. We do not charge for our discipleship program. It is free, but it is weeks of investment in each man. For this reason, we go door to door. That's hours and hours of investment. Why? Because we must leave the world behind, take the world, but give me Jesus. Look in John chapter two in verse 15. In John chapter 2 in verse 15, when we think about leaving the world, Jesus says, "If any man, come to me." John five, uh, 2 in verse 15. First, first John, I'm sorry, did I say the wrong book? First John 2:15, over by Revelation. First John 2. In verse 15. If you hear any echoing during the message, you know exactly who's talking right up here. That is parrot watching over me. This will be the only service probably that you will ever see a parrot watching over the pastor while he's preaching. he starts talking back, we're going to get me in trouble, all right? 1 John 2 and verse 15. Love not the. What does it say? Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The heart of the disciple says, I will follow my master, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the heart of the one who is discipling others ought to be If I see anything that's hindering them from following Christ, I'm going to identify it and share it with them. Why? Because we want more disciples. Leave the world. Leave the world. This is something our missionaries and those in ministry have already done. They've left the world behind to go pursue the kingdom of God. Look, there's a reason why many... and Some of our missionaries even, they work part-time jobs on top of their work of ministry. It's so they can give more. There's a reason to do that. It's so they can invest in more in the kingdom of God. You don't have to drive far in America to find a job that will pay over 45000 to up to 80000 per year. You don't have to drive far. Those jobs are available all around this town even as we speak. But making money does not satisfy. Does it? Jesus alone satisfies. And sirs, I would see Jesus. The world doesn't need more worldly Christians. They need Christians who have made a change. And the brother the, heart, brother, the heart change produces a life change. You'll notice that when somebody is a disciple of Christ, changes start to happen. Go, they go from head down to head up. There's changes that happen in the life. The world has its passions. The world has its pride. pride but we want to follow Jesus Christ, and it's worth it serving the Lord. Leaving the world involves us forsaking all that's holding us back. Leave the world. You also see in our text, they left the family. Jesus said, if any man will come after me and be my disciple. And look, this is not popular today because today we have something popular called Joel Olsteenism, okay? Popularity gospel. My friend, we do not preach popularity gospel here. We do not want to preach the popularity gospel. We want disciples who are committed to Jesus Christ... ...and all God's people said? That's what we want. We want those who will follow Christ. You say, leave the family. Am I going to leave my family? No. But there's a time where you put the ministry... ...you put the kingdom of God... ...you put souls over your personal interests. Hate, he says, father, mother, wife... Children, you say, should I hate them? You understand the context. Jesus says, and his own life also. What are we all in love with? Ourselves. The Bible says, every man naturally loves himself. We all do. It's natural. It's human. And so he says, take the world. Don't take the world. Take the world, but give me Jesus. We want to follow Jesus Christ with our life. He says we need to leave these other things behind. The family. That means they don't come first. You know the number one reason why people cannot serve the Lord? Usually it's something family related. The number one reason why, hey, I can't serve, I can't do this, I can't do that, it's almost always family. Family is the number one excuse. Uh, my child, family reunion, this or that, some situation, this, it's family. And if it's not that, then it's friends. I want to I want to be involved, my friends. I, I want to be a witness to my friends, my friends. But there's also the balancing priority in this passage. If you look at this verse, Jesus says, Who comes first? He comes first. He always comes first. He says, Hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, his own life also. He cannot be my disciple. Look in Luke, if you would, we're here in Luke 14, look in Luke 9, Luke 9 and verse 59, Luke 9 and verse 59. If you have headings in your Bible, this passage says above it, another test of discipleship. There was a man in verse 57, it says, It came to pass, as they went in the way, a certain man said unto the Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. you know how many people say, Lord, I'll follow you? you know how many people come and say, Pastor, I'd love to serve the Lord. I'm going to give God my life. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to do it all. I just want to serve Jesus Christ. That's what they said to Jesus. Lord, I'm going to follow you whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus says in verse 58, Foxes have holes. You only see that analogy if you actually go out and see foxes. How many of y'all have seen a fox? How many of y'all seen a fox go into his den? I have. All right. That is an awesome thing. I was driving alongside the road last spring, and there was a little den up in the field. And mother fox was sitting right there, and a little cub was running around in the field playing. And that's where they went to hide. You know what I have? Every time I drive by there, I look at that place, and I have not seen them there again. They are sly, all right? I just happened to catch it at a time, pulled around that clearing at just the right time. Foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me to first go and bury my father. And Jesus said unto him, would you read this? Part of the verse with me. Let the dead bury their dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Another said, Lord, I will follow thee. But let me go first and bid them farewell, which are at my home and in my house. Wouldn't that be appropriate, right? We go back to our family and say goodbye. Verse 62, Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Leave the family, to follow Christ. I never forget when my two uncles passed away when I was in El Salvador. I was there for a month. It would have cost me $600 to fly back for their funerals. One of them passed one week, the other one passed the next week. I could not go back. Plus, I had a commitment right there. And I remember the difficulty of that. I remember Brother John just a week later, somebody else in that community down in El Salvador died. And I remember walking along because I wished I could have been back there for my family, but I, I couldn't. And I remember walking along behind that funeral truck as that casket carried in the processional would go all the way through the whole town. And look, I didn't know that person who had died. But you know what I was thinking about? My, grand, my, my uncles who had just died. And I remember weeping. You know what I knew about them? They didn't know Jesus. Neither one of them knew Jesus. One of them was taken by leukemia. They didn't know Jesus. The other one was taken early. Not not sure all the reasons why. They didn't know Jesus. There's a cost of discipleship to leave the family. Thirdly, don't you like that number two right there? Thirdly, you need to lay the foundation. Lay the foundation. Look, if you would, in verse 28 of Luke 14. He says, in verse 28 and 29, he talks about counting the cost. And then in 29 he says, Lest happily after he he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold begin to mock him. We all got to start somewhere. We all got to start somewhere. And for many of us in the room, we're just starting out. You're just starting out in this commitment. You say, I don't, know which, I don't know which thing to put first in my life. The answer is Jesus Christ. The answer is the kingdom of God. we got to lay the foundation. It's time to take up our cross and follow Jesus. In verse 27 he says, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple." There is a tremendous need for more laborers in the kingdom of God. There is a tremendous need for more laborers in the kingdom of God. Lay the foundation. It involves a commitment. You, when you lay that foundation, men, how many of you all have actually been there pouring that concrete on the day of laying those foundations? Lift your hand up in here. You've, been pouring, you've poured concrete and you've laid the foundations. All right, many of you have laid the foundations, four or five of you in the room. Man, when we lay those foundations, they don't move, do they? If they do, we got problems, okay? We lay those foundations with a goal in mind. You have that soil tamped down. There's a goal in mind that that thing stay for a long time. Have you ever tried to tear up a foundation with rebar in it? That's no fun. If the foundation was laid properly, it's hard to move. So we got to lay the foundation. By the way, it all begins that way. We put our faith in Jesus Christ, we trust Him, and the foundation is sure because faith in Christ is sure and secure. You put your faith in Jesus Christ, you trust in Him, and He begins the work, and you start to lay the foundation. But you lay that cornerstone, you better lay it the right direction because the building's going to be crooked. And so we've got to lay the foundation. And when we're helping new people who just put their faith in Christ get the direction aligned, sometimes it's hang on a second, the the stone's crooked. You build it this way, it's going to be crooked. Let's align that stone, and man, it's a painful process, but if you don't set the stone right, the cornerstone right, speaking of old-time ways of building the building, the building won't be straight. And if you know, men, about putting those these concrete buildings up, even how this building was poured, you don't put those strings right, you don't set them right, the building's not, cr- not, not, not perfectly straight, you're going to have problems. It's easy to find those problems after the building's been built, right? You come in, and you're like, oh, this is crooked. This is e-. It's easy to identify the problems afterwards. It's hard to identify the problems before they start. And when we are thinking about building the kingdom of God, we have to make sure we build the foundation right so that the structure is built properly, so that everything is stable in our life. There must be a solid foundation. Whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. The cost involves us laying that foundation in faith. Trusting that God is going to lead, that God is going to provide, that God is going to work. Faith is the foundation upon which we build. It's easy to start, isn't it? Isn't it fun when kids go off to kindergarten, they get excited? How many of you high schoolers really are enjoying enjoying the high school year, right? You're super excited about it. You're like, I just can't wait to be done. You can see it on their faces, right? They're, I remember teaching high school. You knew the kids didn't want to be there. Now, the elementary, before fourth grade, they were happy. They hit fourth grade, and all of a sudden, something, a switch happened, right? Fourth grade on, man, it was work. About sixth grade, started getting a better attitude for a little while. And seventh graders, wow, it was a snap again. Attitude change, And bad attitude change, right? And that was the toughest, toughest age to teach. And then magically... Eighth grade started to improve, ninth grade a little bit better, and then you get to 10th and 11th, and it was just like, please be 12th. There was a desire, man, I just don't want to finish. We are all tempted to quit. Lay the foundation well. The thought of serving the Lord is daunting. The cost is incredible if you calculate it investing millions of hours in the kingdom of God. But is it worth it? Absolutely. It's absolutely worth it. It's absolutely worth it every time we see a soul saved and discipled in the kingdom of God. I like that. Two stayed right along with us, all right? We're still on point two. Number four this morning, leave an investment. Verse 30, he says, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. We don't want it to be said of us We began, but we didn't finish. We don't want it to be said of us that we didn't finish the investment. Leave an investment. Finish what God has called you to do. You say, I can't do that in my own strength. That's right. He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it. God wants to continue the work he's already begun. Nobody wants to inherit a half-planted orchard. Imagine your great-great-grandfather passed away. He leaves you an orchard.